You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Coming to our final week, as you can see on the screen, of Reaching Wider. Can we all say Reaching Wider? And uh, just give me a wave if you've been here for at least one of the other weeks or, or maybe many of them. And hopefully you've caught something of this heartbeat that really comes from the heart of Father God. That we as his people will be those that take his life and his love to a broken world around us. We are the people we've been looking for. There is no plan B. The church, the people of God, is God's answer to a broken world. And uh, we're going to come to our final session here today. If you've got a Bible, I'd like you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. And whether you've got that on your phone or a hard copy, why don't you get your Bible out if you're new among us. Uh, don't worry, we're going to put these verses up on the screen anyway. But if you've got a Bible, why not turn to it? It'll help us to read it together. You know, let me just back up. The story we're coming to today is the story of Moses at the burning bush. Some of you will know that story. You'll be familiar with it. Let me back up for you. Uh, if you're not familiar with the story of Moses at the burning bush, you see, this is a time where God's people in the Old Testament, Israel, had been forced into captivity in the land of Egypt. They were slaves and there were tyrant slave masters over them and their work was hard. They were an oppressed people. What had been decreed by the king of Egypt or Pharaoh was that, that every child, every baby boy was to be killed at birth, that he would, he would kill out and reduce the growth and the, the expansion of the nation of Israel. There were some different ways the Israelites tried to get around that. And one baby in particular, the Bible records, his name was Moses. And his mom uh, gave birth to him. He wasn't killed at birth. And she put him in a basket, knowing that if she kept hold of him, he would be found and put to death. And she put him in a basket and put him on the River Nile. And the basket went along the River Nile. And I'm sure she was a praying lady. You know, I know many of our mums are praying ladies. And many of our young people, they come through because of the prayers of the moms. And I'm sure that Moses' mom was a praying lady. And her prayers were answered because amazingly, the, the daughter of the king of Egypt, Pharaoh's own daughter, found the basket, found this Hebrew baby, and she adopted the baby for herself. And so Moses grew up as a Hebrew baby and a boy and a young man in the courts of Egypt as a prince of Egypt. And some of you, if you've not read the Bible, you might have seen the movie, The Prince of Egypt, and know something of the story. And somehow, we're not told, Moses must have understood that he was not an Egyptian, although he was raised as a prince of Egypt. And one day, he's going out and about, and, and he observes the oppression of his own people, the oppression of the Israelites at the hand of the Egyptians. And he's so enraged, something breaks within him, and he raises his hand against one of the Egyptian slave masters, and he kills the Egyptian slave master. And then he discovers and he finds that he's been seen and found out, and he knows that he has to flee for his life. And he runs and he winds up out in a place called Midian. Can we all say Midian? Midian. And there he, 
he finds a, a young lady and he marries and, and he starts working the flocks of his father-in-law, Jethro. And the Bible tells us that he took the, the flocks on one occasion out to the far side of the desert and he came to a place called Horeb. Now Horeb is the mountain of God. I don't think Moses had any idea, but he finds himself in a holy place. He finds himself at Horeb and there God appears to him and he appears to him through a burning bush, a bush that is ablaze with fire, but it's not burning up. And Moses goes and takes a look. You know, God has his ways of getting our attention, right? Now, maybe none of us have, have experienced a burning bush. I don't know. Maybe you have. I guess most of us haven't. But God will have his way of getting our attention. And here with Moses, Moses draws near to take a look at this bush. And when he gets close enough, the voice of God comes out from the bush and says, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. This is what the Bible tells us in Exodus uh, chapter 3, verses 7 to 8. The Lord says, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and a spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. We'll come back to this story shortly. As I've said, we're finishing this series on Sundays, Reaching Wider. I, I also want to make it clear, this is, uh, this is not uh, that we can uh, breathe a corporate sigh of relief at the end of this series, like we can move on now, because actually this is a message that needs to live with us, and we need to own and and, and function in and live in. And we really believe we're in a season, a game-changing season in the life of our church where God is calling us outward more and more. We're going to keep coming back to these ideas. But this is the final week of six on the pulpit. And in a couple of weeks' time, uh, those of you in life groups that have been working through the Talking Jesus resource will come to an end of that. In our journey so far in this series, we've looked at the call to reach that this is a commission that God has given us, His commission, His command, that people's eternity hangs in the balance, and we are the people called to reach out. We've been looking at the reach through witness, that we have our story and our stories, that every one of us, if we're Christian, we have a story of how we've come to know God, but we also have our stories of the goodness and kindness of God in our life and in our world that we can share with those around us. We looked at the angle scale in week two, this idea that actually for most people coming to faith, it's not a, a one momentary event, but it's a journey of exploration that might take weeks or months or even years. And we should never despise our witness because it might just be helping somebody come to an awareness of God that will then help them to, to draw near and explore and come to a point of committing their lives. And so encourage us this week. It doesn't matter. We don't have to, to seal the deal. We're not trying to close the deal as salespeople. We're just trying to witness the life and the love of God to those around us. And he'll bring many to a point of salvation. We looked at reaching through compassion how we might indeed be the hands and feet of Jesus, show the love of God in action, that some might come and ask why. Luke brought the message reaching with the gospel and helping us all if we're asked to simply be able to explain what the Christian message is and lead somebody over the line of salvation from darkness into light. And last week, Dr. John Andrews was with us reaching through a generous life, not just with money, 
but with our time and our attitudes, with grace. If you were here, you'll remember that great story of his daughter on the plane and the simple message of take your earphones out. Just that we might be present for those around us. This week, I've been trying to be increasingly present. Those that I've engaged with, just striking up conversation, asking people how their day's going, how their shift's going, how their week's going. And, and it's been wonderful to see people, particularly in shops and places like that, where it's just like a, an, an interaction, a, a transaction, and nothing personal happens just to say, how's your day going? Striking up conversation with people. One lady, we got into conversation. She told me that she'd grown up a Catholic, wasn't going to church, but, but she had an openness to God. And we started to talk a little bit. I shared with her the reality that God is alive and is real and she can know him. And we can all take our earphones out and be present. But today, I want to bring a final message uh, that's this. What's stopping you? What is stopping you? I wonder if we can say that together. If you want another title, if you don't like that, then I just call this excuses, excuses. Because the reality is we can, we can nod our heads, we can know it's true, it's all good stuff. We might have felt motivated and challenged, inspired, encouraged. But the real question at the end of a series like this is, how are we doing? Has anything changed? Because actually if we said, oh, it was really challenging, but nothing's changed, then really it's not been worth preaching. And, and the the message can come clearly. And the reality is for many of us, maybe we're not doing great. Maybe nothing much has changed or isn't changing. And we've got to wonder why not. And probably it's not because we don't believe the message. Probably it's not because we haven't been paying attention. Probably it's not because we don't think reaching wide is good. It's probably because there are still some obstacles in us to overcome. It's probably because... There are some excuses that we've got or some issues, some problems standing in the way. Of course, we are holding a New Testament commission. All authority in heaven and on earth, Jesus says, has been given to me. Therefore, go. Therefore, go. We have a commission to go. It's a New Testament commission as Christians, freed in order to free others. So why do we turn to this Old Testament story? Because actually in it, we find some incredible parallels. The verses we've just read we hear the Lord himself saying, I have seen the misery of my people. I've heard their cry because of their slavery. I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them. That's what God says. I don't think it sounds familiar, but that, that idea seems familiar to me. That God who so loved the world that he gave his only son. That his passion for people, he, he has seen the misery of people. He has heard their cry. He has seen all those who are trying to live life without him. And he himself has come down to rescue. This is the message of the cross. But then he says to Moses, so now go, I am sending you. Why does he need to send Moses if he's come himself? But this is how God works. You see, he has himself come to rescue, but now he's sending you. Therefore, go. But in this dramatic encounter with God, Moses comes near to this bush and the voice of God comes to him and speaks to him. And you'd think in such a powerful moment of encounter, we might find Moses responding like Isaiah and saying, here I am, Lord, send me. But we don't see that. We see Moses with a whole load of reasons why he's not the guy, why the Lord's got it wrong, why actually he'd rather not be the answer to the problem. And maybe we can identify with Moses today. In Exodus 3 and Exodus 4, we see five issues to overcome. And I think some of us can equate with these. Firstly, for Moses, he feels inadequate. 
Moses feels inadequate. This is the first thing that we see here in Exodus 3.11. He says, who am I? Can we all say that? Who am I? Who? Moses says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? You know, he feels unworthy. He doesn't see himself as a suitable candidate. Maybe he thinks he's not very good. Maybe he thinks he's not going to be able to do it. Maybe he's lost his confidence. Maybe he assumes that by now, 40 years on from when he first raised his hand against an Egyptian, that there must be somebody better. Maybe it's just been too long since he tried to rescue somebody. Some of us can feel like that. I've been Christians a long time, and it's just been a long time since we shared our faith, and we can get stuck. And maybe Moses is like that. It's like, who am I? Maybe after 40 years in Midian, he feels out of practice. Maybe he remembers the last time he tried, and it didn't go very well. Hello? I don't know if any of us can ever feel like that, ever feel like, oh, I don't think this is my thing. I don't think I'm brilliant at this. You know what God says to him in response? He says, I'll be with you. Can we say that together? I'll be with you. He gives him an answer, and the answer is intimacy. He says, I'm not sending you without me. We're going together. Moses, I will be with you. He says, who am I to go? He says, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be right by your side. Every step of the way, when you come into the courts of Pharaoh, the things I'm asking you to do, I am going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. And this is what I have to remember today when we maybe feel a sense of inadequacy in our witness or in our reaching, that God's promise is to be with us. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, Jesus says, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And do you know what he also says? He says, and I will be with you. Always. Can we say always? always. I'll be with you always. When he says, it's his commission, go and I'll be with you always, even to the very ends of the age. The promise of intimacy. We need the Holy Spirit, friends. But we're not sent without Holy Spirit. We're sent with Holy Spirit. I think it's why Jesus says to to the disciples in Acts 1, "Don't, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, the Holy Spirit. For in a few days you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses. That's why we need to be praying people, why we need the presence of God in our lives. We're gonna walk with Him. That we're not doing this out of a sense of guilt, but we're doing this out of the overflow of a spirit-filled life because he's promised to be with us. He's promised to be with us. You know, if we stop being connected to the power source, our light will become dim and ultimately stop shining. But he promises to be with us. It's a, a little while since I told this story, but when I was a student, I worked in my holidays at a pork pie factory. And my job was really simple. It was taking pork pies off a line. Like eight, eight hours a day is what I have to do. I got a few breaks if I could. The chance for overtime, I'd do 12 hours of this uh, and, and even an extra shift, and I could do 15 hours a day and a lot of money, cash in a brown envelope back in the day as a student. But opposite me, there was a guy called John, and he was doing the same thing. And so we were talking. I remember I got there the first day. He's like, hey, what's your name? Martin, what's your name? John. Starts asking me all about myself. You know, we've got eight hours. I mean, he's bored out of his brain, so like he'll just like anything. By the end of the third day, I don't think I'd done anything in my life that I hadn't told him. We're just like, and he's asking, so he finds out that I'm a Christian. So, we, you know, we like talk for four hours. Why? Because there's nothing else to talk about. So then he's exploring and asking, and I'm telling him every story I know, everything that I've heard. 
He's asking me theological questions and we're going deep and, and there we are and the pork pies are coming off the line and a couple of weeks in, uh, I get there, I cycle five o'clock in the morning on my push bike, get to the factory, get my boiler suit and my hairnet on and my cap over the top and I go down, I clock in, it's 5.58, the line's coming down, taking the pork pies off and John comes in, he says, hey Martin, do you believe in healing? And I'm like, I mean honestly, I'm just coming round. I said, what, what are you on about? He says, I've hurt my knee. Do you believe in healing? I said, John, you know I believe in healing. We've talked about it. He says, well, heal my knee. <laughs> so I, so I, I'm like, well, well, hang on a minute. Like, <laughs> I said, look, you know, I, I believe that faith is important in, in healing. I said, John, do you believe that God can heal your knee? He says, yeah. I said, John, yesterday you didn't believe God existed. And now <laughs> it's six in the morning. You know, and in this moment, I'm not feeling very anointed. It's a pork pie factory. I'm in my hairnet. There's no keyboard playing. I don't feel like the man of power for the hour. But John's asking me whether I can heal his knee. I said, look, I can't heal your knee, but God can heal your knee. He says, well, get God to heal my knee. And in that moment, I had a decision to make. But remember that God had said he'd be with me. I said, John, I think we need to stop the line. So we pressed the sacred red button. And for a moment, the pies stopped coming down the conveyor belt. I said, John, I need to pray for you. Come round. I said, can I put my hand on your knee? He gave me one of those looks. He says, you go one step further than this, mate, and you're dead meat. But I knelt down in the factory, and I, I put my hand on his knee. And I'm saying, I'm going to pray for you. And while I'm saying that, I'm also having a conversation inside to God. I'm saying, Lord, you better show up here or like I'm like dead man. It's like, Lord, I'm going to look ridiculous and so are you if you don't do something right now in this moment. I remember I got down on my knees and I prayed for this guy. And then he, he let out an expletive that I can't share from the pulpit. Um, in fact, several expletives that can't be shared from the pulpit. As something was happening, he physically felt something changing on the inside of his knee and he was totally freaked out by it. I wish I could say to you, he then looked up and said, what must I do to be saved? But he didn't. He went out of the factory and he disappeared for two hours. He was so freaked out. When he came back in, he said, I don't know what happened. But when you started praying, he said, I don't think anything was going to happen. And things start moving about on the inside of my knee. And here's what I learned that day, that God promised to be with me and he will be with me. And you might feel inadequate. You might, you might see somebody and you know they're in need or somebody might ask for prayer or actually you might feel prompted to pray or offer to pray. But you think, what if nothing happens? Now, maybe nothing will happen, but I promise you this, God will be with you. In your witness, God will be with you. This is the promise that comes of intimacy. That's why we must pray and be a praying people. Secondly, Moses, I think Moses feels unauthorized. The next thing he says when God said, I'll be with you, he says, but suppose I go, verse 13 of chapter 3, to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me, and they ask me what's his name, then what should I tell them? You know, I think he's just not feeling spiritual enough. He feels like he's lacking the credentials for this. He's, he's afraid he's going to get asked a question that he can't answer. I don't know if any of you ever felt like that. He knows that he needs to be authorized. He needs to know that God is behind him and the people he's going to will have a sense of that. And God says to him in re response, I am who I am. Tell them, I am has sent me to you. You know, in this moment, this is uh, an incredible revelation that comes from God to Moses. 
This is a, a name of God. I am that I am. Yahweh. Or Yahweh Asher Yahweh. I am that I am. The pre-existent one. The one that is in himself. Tell them I am. God has never revealed this name to the nation of Israel before. But he reveals it to Moses and says, go in the authority of this and tell them this. And they will know that this is God. Something powerful. And I think we need a revelation. You see, Moses needed a revelation of who God was. I think we need a revelation that it is God himself that has sent us. Let me say that again. I think we need a revelation sometimes that it is God himself that has sent us. You go with the full force of Yahweh behind you. You're not going in your own strength. You're going because he sent you. Maybe you don't feel sent. I want to tell you today, if you're a believer in Jesus, you've been sent. Therefore, therefore, therefore go. And who sent you? Why should you share? Because somebody who created the heavens and the earth has sent you. Who sent us can mean everything. I remember being in school on one occasion and and I, I just happened to be passing by where the head teacher was and the head teacher called me and hailed me and said, Martin, I want you to go to, to Mr. Smith's class and get the register. Now I knew that Mr. Smith was an erratic guy. Sometimes he'd be really nice and friendly. Other times he'd be really nasty and angry. And I set off, and I didn't know if he'd be teaching that class. I, I didn't know if he'd be by himself. I didn't know what mood I'd find him in. And I went. I was year eight, and I arrived, and I could see there was a class in session, and it was year 10, two above me, that was in. If that wasn't intimidating enough, Mr. Smith was shouting at the class at that moment. I remember being there, hovering outside, knowing I needed to knock the door and feeling very small. But guess what? I knew that somebody had sent me. It wasn't in that moment whether I thought it was a good idea to get the register. It wasn't in that moment whether I felt I'd be well received or not. Somebody had sent me. And so I knocked the door. Mr. Smith turned around. He said, what? Sorry, sir. <laughs> Mr. Marsden sent me for the register. And he invites me in and gives me the register. But here's the thing that, that we've been sent. Somebody has sent us. And it's not about whether we, we feel good enough, whether we feel qualified, whether we feel comfortable. We've been sent. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, you've been sent? I don't feel like you believe that. Turn to your neighbor, I like you believe it, and say, you've been sent. <laughs> now, I don't believe we're discussing our religious beliefs because we enjoy a good debate. We've got to remember, friends, Somebody sent us, somebody with the greatest authority. God himself has sent you to show the love of God, to show the grace of God, to declare his truth. But you know, the, the, what happens next is that, that God starts to speak to Moses about the strategy of how it's going to happen, of, of how he's going to go to Pharaoh, how Pharaoh's heart is going to be hardened, about how Moses is going to lead them out, then to go in and possess the promised land. But you know, then we get to a point, instead of Moses saying, okay, Lord, I'm ready, we see, thirdly, that Moses is afraid. At the end of all of that, we get to chapter 4, verse 1, and he says, but what if they don't believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? You know, I think Moses is just nervous. It's the fear of man. It's the fear of failure. It's the fear of being rejected. It's the fear of being awkward. 
It's the fear of seeming inappropriate. I think he's thinking, what if I go? Like I've, I've not even been in slavery like they have. I was the privileged one, brought up in Egypt. If people don't know me, that that is like I've got no validation. And, and, and if people do know me, they're going to say, but who are you to bring this? Who are you to speak this? And, and he's just, he's afraid of being rejected. Hello? And sometimes we can, we can want to reach out, but we can be afraid of being rejected. I don't know what went wrong. See, in the book of Acts, we see the disciples preaching Jesus joyfully wherever they go. Sometimes getting persecuted, sometimes getting flogged. The Bible says they rejoiced when they suffered disgrace for the name. But oh, that that spirit would come on the church again. That we rejoice if we suffer disgrace for the name. That we position ourselves to be witnesses for Jesus. And remember that he who made himself of no reputation, he hung on a cross for us. And am I, am I kind of hold on to my reputation? When he made himself of no reputation, or am I willing to come and to stand for Jesus? Jesus says in Matthew 10.22 to the disciples, you'll be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And I think we've got some things wrong, church. Are we ready to stand for Jesus? Are we willing for that? Or are we so concerned that we don't want to make anything awkward? We don't want anyone to feel uncomfortable. We certainly don't want ourselves to feel uncomfortable. As if God had said, go and make disciples of all nations, preaching the gospel. But if it should become in any way uncomfortable for you, just pull back. It's okay. If in any way it should become awkward along the way, I wouldn't want that for you. And I don't think God says that. And the Lord responds to Moses. I think it's Moses' fear, and he responds, and he says, Moses, what's in your hand? I mean, this is a high-level conversation. This is a palace-educated man, and this is the creator of the universe. He says, what's in your hand? And the answer is a stick. And he says, throw it on the ground. And he throws it on the ground. The stick becomes a snake. And God says, now pick it up. And he picks it up, and it becomes a staff again. And then he says, take your hand, put it inside your cloak. And pull it out, and it was totally leprous. And Moses looked at his hand, and God said, put it in your cloak again. And he puts it in. He says, pull it out, and pulls it out, and it's clean. And then God says to him, look, if they don't believe the first sign, they may believe the second sign. If they don't believe the second sign, <clears throat> excuse me, then take some water from the river Nile. Pour it on the ground, and it'll become blood. I believe God's given him a promise. He's giving him a promise that he's going to back him up. He's not going to leave him high and dry. This is a promise that God gives to us. Sometimes we're, we're concerned about our own reputation. We're concerned about how people may respond to us. I believe God promises us. He's not going to leave us high and dry. You know, my experience of reaching out where maybe I've been concerned how I'll be received, nine times out of ten, it's actually fine. But in the one where maybe it isn't, and one maybe the relationship seems a bit strange, I know that actually I've chosen Jesus over the person. I remember leading my grandma on my mother's side to the Lord, but on my parents, on my, my father's side, I'm sorry, you, you never know what people do in their final moments, but to the best of my knowledge, both of my grandparents on my father's side who were hardened atheists went to their graves not receiving Jesus. I remember witnessing to them, trying to witness to them, praying for them. They didn't want to know anything. They closed it down. They were hardened and cold. They didn't want to know about my faith. They were ashamed when I became a pastor. They were, 
I remember my dad became a Christian and phoned them up to let them know. And their response to him was, well, at least you're not on hard drugs. That, that, was, the, that was the most positive thing they ever said about Christianity. And I loved my grandparents. They were my grandparents. We actually had a great relationship, but they didn't want to know anything about Jesus. Remember, I sent them a book one time that I hoped to just they'd read and maybe open the conversation. They sent it back to me by return of post. I remember going to their funerals, and I went to both of their funerals. Um, I wanted to honor them. Humanistic funeral, less than 10 people there. One of the most empty, cold, hopeless gatherings I've ever been in. Nothing of God there. But you know, as I was driving to the funerals about three hours away, I felt, I can't really explain this, it surprised me, but I felt the love of Jesus in my own life. I felt a closeness from him. I felt something that, not a sense of rejection from my grandparents, but a sense of acceptance from Jesus, that actually I'd chosen him. And I felt his smile on my life. I, I felt something very sweet. It's a strange thing, going to a funeral of people who've, who've rejected you, but knowing the pleasure of the Savior, because I'd sought to be a witness. And I believe this is the promise. You know, God comes to Moses. He gives him some signs. It's like the promise that he's not going to leave him high and dry. But in the promise of God to us, he's not going to leave us high and dry. He's going to be with us. He's always with us. Jesus is not just for Christmas. Jesus is for eternity. But fourthly, I, I, you know, Moses, I think he's just getting desperate here. He's just trying to get out of it, anything. And, and we see another issue that Moses feels unqualified. He goes on uh, and he says in chapter 4, verse 10, Pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past or nor since you've spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. And I, I don't know if you've ever phoned into work sick. You know, probably now you would text, but back in the day, if you were off sick, you'd have to phone your boss and say, I'm, I'm not feeling very well. Only the unwritten rule was if you weren't feeling very well, you didn't want to sound too chipper on the phone, right? Morning, I'm not feeling very well today. I'm going to be off sick. So you'd, you'd probably add 30%. Oh, feeling really bad today. You come off the phone and go, no, I, I am bad, but I'm perhaps not quite that bad. You know, but you just... I wonder if Moses was the same. Lord, nobody else speak. Look at me. As if God has forgotten, as if God's going to say, oh, goodness. I never thought about that, Moses. You're rubbish at speaking. This is, this is not going to work. I'll tell you what. Head back to Jethro. Carry on with the sheep. Let me find someone else. My bad. The Lord's like, this is not an issue. Do you know what he gives him? He gives him his assurance. He says, I will help you. I'll help you. And maybe we can feel unqualified sometimes. Maybe we can feel like we, you know, we're, we're just not very good at this or we don't know what we're going to say or we don't know how it's going to come out. I know what God says to that. He says, I will help you. I will help you. He gives you the assurance that we're not, we're not going without him, but it's not only that he's with us, he's going to help us. It's not only that he sent us, he's going to help us. It's not only that he's going to back us up. He's going to help us with the things we don't feel able to do. And in those moments, I've been there so many times where, you know, I'm, I'm in a position of trying to reach. And I'm going, oh God, would you help me now? Because I don't know what to say. I don't know how to get this right. I don't know what this person needs. Would you help me? And this is what God says to Moses. He says, I will 
help you. He says, look, I, is it not God who gave a man his tongue? Is it not God who gave a man his sight? Listen, I will help you. I'm sending you. If you've got to say something, I'm going to help you. He actually goes on from there a little bit later and says, look, you can even speak through Aaron, only actually it's not needed because it's Moses' insecurities. He's actually fine to speak. You never see of Aaron being the mouthpiece, actually. There's no need for it because actually Moses, he thought he was unqualified, but he was actually fine. And the same for most of us. He comes to help. I know some of you carry appropriate concerns about what you can and cannot say in a professional setting. I know it's really real. It's a really real issue in our day and age. I do want to recommend a resource to you if that's relevant to you, which is found on the Evangelical Alliance's website or EAUK.org called Speak Up. And it's a great piece of work put together by the Lawyers Christian Fellowship and the Evangelical Alliance. Speak Up and you can go and if you search Speak Up, uh, Evangelical Alliance, you can find either a 16-page summary document or a 74-page full document. And it's a really great piece of work that tells you what your rights are, what you can and can't do, and how it is appropriate to behave. It's really wise and it's measured. But Gary Streeter, Member of Parliament and Chair of Christians in Parliament, says this, I've never felt constrained from sharing my faith by words or deeds in the UK. And this excellent booklet explains why we do have legal protection to share the gospel. This guidance should make us bolder, although as the text reminds us, we should also be wise and gentle. But I want to remind all of us today, when we feel unqualified, speaking to a neighbor, reaching out in a compassion ministry, offering to pray for somebody, he will help us. He gives us the gift of assurance. But finally... At the end of all of these excuses, these issues, these barriers, these fears, Moses makes his final move. You'd think by now he'd say, okay, Lord, I'm ready to go. And do you know what he says? He says, oh, Lord, please send somebody else. I just don't want to do it. I think his final issue is that he's unwilling. The voice version of the Bible says, please, Lord, I beg you, send someone else, anyone else. I think Moses is like that. Oh, God, just please does not me. But you know, God in his grace, he said, I'll be with you and this is who I am and I'm going to back you up and I'll help you. At this moment, the Bible says the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And let me tell you why, because it was not about Moses. And here's the issue for us, because we can find ourselves with all our hang-ups, our hangs up on our, on our excuses and our issues, but at the end of the day, it's not about us. You see, God had heard the cry of his people. And I think if, if God gives Moses anything here, it's perspective. Because it wasn't about Moses. And so often we can lose perspective. We can behave as if it's about us. But my friends, it's not. We can behave like it doesn't matter, but it does. We can behave like there's no urgency, but there is. And our perspective can be wrong. We can behave in many different ways. Some of us, we carry a belief that, that people don't want to know about Jesus. And it's interesting. I'm sure all of us, if we try to reach out, we'll find some people who are open and some people who are closed. But in the Talking Jesus resource that we've been using in our life groups, it says out of two and a half thousand people that were not Christians that were interviewed in the UK over the age of 18, representative of the UK's demographics, by age and ethnicity and, uh, and region and socioeconomic background, one in five or 19% said that they would like to know about Jesus. These are not Christians. 
They're just being surveyed. They'd like to know about Jesus and they were open to an encounter with Jesus. Now that's not to say the four out of five would not become interested, but the one out of five from a standing start said, I'd like to know more. The interesting thing for us hearing feedback from our life groups is that most people in life groups, instead of saying, hey, that's really great, have said, where are these stats from? Like, I don't believe this. But Jesus says, the fields, look, open your eyes. The fields are white to harvest. They're ripe. Don't pray for the harvest. Pray for the workers. And yet, in any other issue, we'd believe the word of God over our opinion. And here Jesus says, look. They're white, and yet we say, no, they're not, Lord. But he says, yes, they are. And I want to tell you this. There are people around our world. It's why we need to pray for divine appointments, why we need to keep sharing. Because not that it's all by numbers, but if on my street there are 80 people and one in five want to know more about Jesus and are open to an encounter, that's 20 people right now before we've even got started. And the same is true for you in your place of study, in your place of work. We can lose perspective. And as we pray and as we ask God for divine encounters, sometimes we'll be surprised. I remember at, at university, I was part of a, a Bible study group, a group of Christians. And, uh, and one of the guys who, who was in our group was called Des. And Des was in a flat. And the flat had five bedrooms and a shared kitchen and communal space. I remember going that night to Bible study at Des's. But in Des's flat was a guy called Nick. Now, Nick was a massive guy. He was a bodybuilder. He was, a North, he was from Wigan. And uh, not that there's anything hard about northern people, but you know, when I, when I met Nick, I liked Nick, but Nick did not appear to me like the sort of person who'd be really excited about Christianity. I remember coming out of this Bible study one night, finished, we prayed, and, 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 and then Nick was coming in and I was heading out and he saw the Bible in my hand. And he said, oh, you've been to Des's Bible study. And I said, yeah, Nick. I said, the Bible's amazing. He said, really? I said, yeah, it's awesome. I said, you should read it sometime. He said, no, nah, I'm all right, mate. And I was like, no, seriously, could change your life. It's a phenomenal book. And he said, no, I'm, I'm good. I said, are you scared of it? And he's like, no, I'm not scared of it. So you should read it then. So we started a conversation. After about 40 minutes, I, I said, you know what, Nick, uh, let's leave it there for tonight. It's late. I felt like I'd probably given him enough to chew on for one night. And I went. I didn't see him the next day until dinner in our hall of residence when he saw me across the dining hall, 600 people, and he shouts, he goes, Oi, story. I was like, what? And he comes over, he's like, charges over towards me. He says, what have you done to me? I said, what are you talking about? He says, I didn't sleep last night. I've got all these questions. Uh, I'm all bothered. I've missed my lectures today. I'm, I, I don't know what's going on. And we started a conversation. Other people inputted. Within a week, he'd given his life to Christ. I'd never have known. I, I'd, I'd have never thought that he was ready, but he was ready. He wasn't that far from the kingdom. He just needed somebody to reach out, dare him to read the Bible, open up a conversation. There's people around your world. I want to tell you, people you, you would look at. If I was to say to you in your workplace, who's the least, least likely person to want to know Jesus? You might find they're closer to the kingdom than you imagine. We have to change our perspective. You know, at the end of the day, it's not about us. And I think often we can behave as if it is. Here's the reality that Moses was free. But the Lord called him to use that freedom to free others. He'd been delivered as a baby, but 
God called him to use that deliverance to deliver others. And if you're in the room today and you know that your sins are forgiven, you've been freed in order to free. You've been delivered in order to deliver. And maybe you've got a load of hangups, just like Moses. Maybe you'll go out from this place today and you'll say, wow, that was challenging and nothing changed, but I want to oh, encourage you tomorrow to say, God, would you help me? I need to shift gear. I, I need you to help me here. You promised to be with me, Lord, and to remember that it's not about us. The great thing as we read the story is that Moses went. He got through his five issues, but then he went and God used him and he, he, he learned a life of intimacy. He walked in his revelation that Yahweh was with him. He lent on the promise that God would back him up. He received God's help and he changed his perspective. And on a journey through his first trip to Pharaoh and the plagues and the Passover and the deliverance, we get to the miracle of the Red Sea. And this is what the Bible says in Exodus 14. And with this, I come to a close. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it to dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. And my friends, a nation that had been slaves was set free. I believe God wants to use your life and my life to bring people out, to bring people out, to bring people out. And really, we've just got to be willing. We've just got to be willing, like, like Moses at the end of the day, to get through all our stuff and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to go for it. If there's one image that maybe should summarize where we come to at this point, it's this, just do it. Just do it. When you feel, and I'm not sure, I don't know whether to say anything, I don't know whether to offer to pray, just do it. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, just do it. I don't know if you're willing. I don't know if you're open. You know, in the coming weeks, there are, there are a load of things going on. We've, we've got this big weekend in. It's going to be so brilliant for our young adults next weekend. Make sure you book in, but also a chance on Saturday to go out in teams. It's going to be really safe, actually. But one of the events is a, a VIP event for homeless and vulnerable. The last time it was run that it's by a, a, a church called Hope Springs, 90 people came. And some of us are going to go and, and help and serve. Some people that know how to cut hair and do makeup and just love some people. It's going to be so great. Book in. The end of the month, we've got baptisms through the day. The week after that, Mark Ritchie's here with guest services in the morning. His show in the evening. But do you know what? It's, it's not all about bring to church. It's about bringing people to Jesus. Getting people to church, some, sometimes it can help, but that is not what we're trying to do here. We're trying to bring people to God. And if people come to God, they'll want to come to church. So then the best thing we can do is not invite someone to church. It's see if we can pray for them. Let them have an interaction with God. Let them see His reality. Let, let Him impact their world. Then they'll want to come to church. We've given 100 pounds to each of our life groups over the next few weeks to do something missional out of our missions budget. I'm really excited about some of the creativity, some of the things some of the groups are going to do to just reach out, do something. But you know the, the real nub of it is tomorrow morning, it's tomorrow afternoon, it's you and your world, it's in your space. At the end of this series, if you're willing to say, oh God, would you use me? Maybe to say, God, I need your help. Then I invite you to stand with me now. We're going to pray as the band come up. If you're willing to say, oh God, here I am, use my life, help me to reach out. Forgive me for all my hang-ups and my excuses and my, 
issues. But would you help me to be one who reaches out? Help me to remember that I've been sent and help me to live as if I knew that. If that's you, I want to invite you to open your hands. Maybe close your eyes in this place and just take a moment to say, Lord, I'm sorry. If maybe like me, you, you feel you've not done as well as you should have done sometimes. Maybe to say, Lord, forgive me when I've made it about me and it's not about me. And Lord, would you help me? Why don't we begin to pray, begin to lift your voice across this room. Just ask God to help you. Ask God to bring people across your path. Ask God to give you the words to say and to know what to do. How to be someone that would bring the love of Jesus in a practical way to respond to the promptings of the Spirit. I pray, God, would you help us? Help us to be a Spirit-filled people that would go in your name and bring life transformation. Help our lives to be signposts, God. Lord, would you help us, equip us, strengthen us and send us. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being your hands and feet, of being your voice. Holy Spirit, I pray you would empower us that we might go out and be salt and be light for the honor of your name. Amen. Oh,